0: Hello everyone and welcome to Mike Springston FFC Podcast where we coach you with the word. Glad to be back with you. We're about to embark on part two of how the gifts of the Spirit produce an advantage. We're looking forward to sharing that with you today. Before we do that, we want to welcome you to contact us at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministries.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship, Chapel's Direct Messaging. And, of course, remember my book, I Surrender, and you can get it at your local bookstore or through Amazon. Today, as I said, we're looking at part two of How Do the Gifts of the Spirit Produce an Advantage? Let's have a word of prayer, and then we will go into the scripture. Father, we thank you today for all that you've done and all that you're doing. We ask you that you would open our eyes that we might see and our ears that we may hear and our heart that we may understand what the word of God is saying to us. And then, Father, may we apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. Jesus, we ask you to speak to us now through the Holy Spirit. We ask you to reveal what we need to know, do, understand, and demonstrate. We ask you to uh, allow us to receive it. And as we receive it, we will um, release it to your people. I pray that you will do it to bless, correct, to uplift, to guide your people so that we can serve you in the way that brings us into the knowledge of the wisdom and the revelation of Jesus Christ. Do it now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Of course, our foundation scripture comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit. Is given to every man to profit. Now, today we're going to begin part two with Acts chapter two, verse 33. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted exalted, and having received of the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. And of course, that's Peter speaking on the day of Pentecost concerning the promise of the Father. Now watch, as we closed our last session. Here's what I said. So when we see his anointing and his exhibiting the good things of God to people through the Holy Spirit, we are also wired and geared to that same advantage because we were manufactured in him according to Ephesians 2.10 and... We have become another model of him, and I'll speak to that a bit more briefly in just a second, and of course, a a great deal more on Sunday's podcast in the morning and the night. But how can that be? Well, we were born by his work. That's correct. We're made righteous by the force of what he did for us in the six works that began with the cross. That's correct. We're the inheritors of the promise of God concerning Christ, and that's correct. Yes, these are easy to see even though we could not see, we could not view it, how we got saved. We know it is so, though, due to the fruit we bear. Now, none of this, none of what I just said has anything to do with the anointing. All of this has to do with the gift of eternal life. So we're willing to come into the part of the message that keeps us out of hell. But we balk at the subsequent part that gives us an anointing to serve, witness, and be part of the work that Jesus began to do and to teach. Now here's the real question. The real question of our day cannot be the question, are you saved? Why is that? Well, unfortunately, our understanding of what's saved, the process of being saved, what is done in our era, it's a far cry from what actually being saved and set on the path of the plan of salvation really involves. We use a very shallow statement with a shallow understanding and pray a very shallow prayer. This engagement brings, of course, shallow brings shallow, a lifestyle that remains attached to the world. Now those that have been brought under this shallow message, uh, they think they are saved due to the faulty message, the faulty understanding, and the faulty development of those who were told of their salvation that never developed in their walk with the Lord. Why should they? They've been told that by making a statement of belief that Jesus has done it all for them. Matter of fact, more or less, God's lucky to have them. And that's all that needs to be done. So they then run off and run back into the world with a false sense of security. Of course, we provide that false sense of security because we choose to misrepresent the word of God. Now the question should be for anybody who is coming in to this salvation, not are you saved, but have you been illuminated by the presence of Jesus Christ? Has he illuminated you by what he did as the high priest, the Lord, and have you come into the promise of the Father? These questions would serve both those asked and the ones asking with a clear understanding of exactly what their real relationship to Jesus is. Has light dawned in your spirit and in your soul? Are you living by the light of the gospel? Have you been changed? That means that the old item, your old self, has been revamped. Now it's still the old self, but You've just been changed. You've, you've put off a few things and took on a few things. Now the question is, have you been transformed? This means that the old man has been disassembled and reconfigured, using the old parts to become something totally different than what it was in its original state. So what is it? Are you living out the fact that Christ is in you? If not, then can you really feel as though what you did has secured your position in the process of everlasting life? If you live by no light and you do not identify the influence of Christ in you, then, my friend, you are no different than the demons who also said they believe. And... They've said they believe in Jesus as well. Their life was not changed or transformed by statement. Why? Because they're still serving the devil. We face the days and the hour when every believer must examine themselves. Now, I'm not talking about the new believer. I'm not talking about the ones that have just been told they've been saved. I'm talking about every believer must examine themselves. This is crucial, my friend, because of the lateness of the hour in the heavenly economy. Friend, the signs point to the coming of Jesus Christ. If you're unaware of that, well, then this lack of awareness in you, in and of itself, speaks to your level of spiritual alertness. In the spirit and soul of every believer rests an acute awareness of the imminent coming of Jesus. You must turn your eyes upon Jesus and begin to develop your spiritual awareness before it's too late. This may mean that you have to go back to prayer. You have to go back and rededicate yourself to Jesus. It may mean that you begin to focus on him instead of those things that you continued to do after you said, I believe. You know those lustful things, those desires, and that absolute want for self-satisfaction. So, have you been illuminated? Is Christ living in you? Do you operate in a transformed style of behavior? Are you a servant of Jesus Christ? Are you faithful? Are you a true worshiper of the King? You will never experience the advantage of the Holy Spirit unless you can answer each of these in the affirmative. Now, my friend, this is the only affirmative action that is ever going to generate any lasting effect upon your earthly walk. It will also generate a heavenly acceptance that will cause you to operate in a completely different dimension. Now let's move forward. Now there is another promise that is available to you. The promise of forgiveness of sins and the love of the Father, if you are believing in Him and living your life, developing, walking out Jesus Christ in your life, being illuminated by the light of Jesus Christ, living in the life of the Spirit that is Jesus Christ, then There is a promise that is available to you that can bring you into an advantage that will give you the opportunity in the natural world to profit, to be at the advantage at everything you do. That promise is also in Christ Jesus. It was the promise that this scripture is referring to. This promise was mentioned by John the Baptist. Did you know that The baptism in the Holy Spirit was mentioned in John by John the Baptist before Jesus spoke to Nicodemus and explained the new birth. That's the plan for mankind, that mankind would go into the dimension from the new birth, go into the dimension of the baptism of the Holy Spirit with fire. Well, John the Baptist mentioned it. Spoken by Jesus in John seven thirty seven through thirty nine, John fourteen, sixteen and seventeen, John fifteen twenty six, John sixteen, six and seven, and thirteen and fourteen, and again in Acts chapter one verse four through nine. Peter then speaks in it concerning it again uh, after the event of Pentecost in Acts two hundred thirty three, which I began this session with. It's the promise that completes the person for whom you were designed to become. Now, how do I know this? Well, because I simply read Colossians 2, 9 and 10, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. What did Jesus do when he was ascended back into the heavens and reseated at the right hand of majesty? He, having been walked through the required positions from the cross to the tomb, in and out of hell, completed all of the work to defeat the enemy. He then ascends and completes the work of the high priest. This causes him to be exalted as Lord over everything. He then descends with that message and tells them in Matthew 28 and Mark 16 what he has done, and now all authority is given to him in heaven and earth, and that they can use his name to do The marvelous and magnificent works, and as they use it, he would confirm the use of his name with signs following. He then speaks for the last time concerning the promise of the Father. He ascends for the second time, and then is seated. When seated, where everything is under his feet, he then releases the promise of the Father. This promise would allow him to function in the spirit of the believer and through the soul of the believer. He, through the promise of the Father, would complete the manufacturing process that was required for the believer to become more than an overcomer in Christ Jesus. Now, our world wants to tell us that all the Holy Spirit is good for is to save us and that as he saves us, He will seal us, and that basically is the work, and all of the things that we get to live the life of an overcomer comes out of the letter or the law, the word of God or the law of God. Now, Jesus did not teach it that way. Jesus did not say that all the Holy Ghost was going to do was to reprove you, convince you and convict you of righteousness and show you that the devil was going to be judged. He didn't say that. As a matter of fact, I quoted five, six, or seven scriptures there that tells you what Jesus said about what the Holy Ghost would do. This, the, the, the purpose of the Holy Ghost and this advantage is to allow Jesus Christ to function in the spirit of the believer and in the soul of the believer. This promise would complete the manufacturing process. It would be the finishing tool that would come upon the believer as Jesus himself showed them things to come and led them and guided them until they could be more than an overcomer in Christ Jesus. This topical Christianity that we get through our modern day belief system of being saved, topical, presents a struggle because it leaves us on our own to defend ourselves against the enemy. We know that Paul said that he's making inroads, wiles, into our mind. We know that. We also know that the word of God said that we were to put on the whole armor of God. That included the spirit, by the way. Now, if we fail in doing that, then... We are not drawing nigh unto God. We are not resisting the devil and drawing nigh unto God so that he can draw nigh unto you. No, we're not doing that at all. We are trying to stand in our own intellect and do battle with an enemy that we could not defeat to begin with and that we have no uh, abilities to defeat separate from Jesus Christ. Now, here's the final thread that must be placed in the makeup of man that would make him truly to be in Christ. This thread would place him back in the category of which the second Adam operated. What an advantage the believer was to have. Colossians chapter 2, verse 10, And ye are complete in him. Now watch what he is the head over. Watch this now. The Bible never declared you to be the head over anything. It declared him to be the head over it and you to be complete in him. We would have the advantage of the works of Jesus Christ. You remember those works? The cross where healing came, the tomb where we were preserved, deliverance came out of hell, safety came from the sprinkling of blood by the high priest, Soundness came by his lordship, and wholeness came by him being the man in the Godhead bodily. Now, greater greater than, than the advantage of the works of Jesus Christ, we would have not just his works, but we would have the advantage of him. This is the place from where a man profits. The works are astounding and amazing. But listen, friend, he is better. Now, why would I say that? Because I can read about the blind eye healed. But if I have a blind eye, I need him to be better. I can read about the leper healed, but if I have cancer, I don't need that leper's healing. I need the healing that he will give me. I need him to be the advantage in me. I need my body to respond to the habitation of the Father and the Son that lives in me. All of the stories of the wonderful works of Jesus are wonderful. But when I need that ministry, that healing, that touch, that deliverance, when I need that in my body, I need the advantage of him in me. In me. Not for the blind man. Not for the woman, uh, uh, the little girl whom he raised from the dead. Not for Lazarus. I don't, uh, Those are great. But when I stand in need in my body, in my life, I need to stand and know that the one who has a habitation in me is going to do a better work for me than he did for them. Because greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Now, if I understand that, then this is a place from where I can profit. I can profit if I understand he's better in me. He's better living in me today in reality, in real life, in experience, in presence, in provision, than anything I can read in the book. The book is wonderful. It builds my faith to know that the one who is in me is better today, stronger today, more truthful today, more powerful today, even than he was then. Why? Now, you must gather this. Because he has been to the cross, he has been to the tomb, he has been delivered from hell with the keys of of death and hell and the plunder of everything that was worth anything that was in hell, He has been to the tabernacle. He has been pronounced Lord. And now he is the man in the Godhead bodily of whom I am complete and of whom is over all principality and power. He is better today. He's stronger today. He is more worthwhile today. And he is more available today. See, everybody in Jerusalem and Samaria and Judea could not get to Jesus. But you and me have him, can have him living in us. We are profiting. The works are astounding, but he is better when he is working in us. As he is, so are we in this world, my friend. This is the superior, superb greatness that a life lived in coordination with the Spirit will experience. I will be able to call on Jesus and not have to wait for him to respond from the heaven portals of heaven. He will respond from his life that he lives abiding and dwelling in me. This is great now, but we don't understand that. We don't get it, and therefore we live without the advantage of it. We are waiting. We have gone into the upper room And await Whenever the Holy Spirit has already been given The gifts of God have already been produced The Holy Spirit is here Speaking for Jesus Christ We don't know it We just don't understand it We don't get it So we wail and bemoan Pray and cry As if God is somewhere up there And cannot hear us We just don't understand the better one, the greater one, is living in us. My friend, he's over everything, and that includes your inner man. That includes your soul. So through us, he controls everything. Through our bowing and exalting, he expresses himself. We live in an advantage that is absolutely insurmountable in the natural, or in the spiritual. There is no question about it. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all people, but unto witnesses chosen before God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead, my friend. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to you and me to profit with all or to have the advantage. Now the word manifestation means the exhibition or the expression of a thing. Here it is how the Spirit will exhibit or express itself. This is given to every man to profit or to have the advantage. Now wait a minute. This is not given to the lost one. Paul plainly says they cannot understand the things of the Spirit. They don't know how to judge accordingly. Therefore, this is only given to those who have come into Jesus Christ, who have believed on Him, who have developed and matured their life, to not only say, I'm saved, that's a misnomer in this era, that's not in oftentimes the truth in this era. But to say Christ lives in me, illuminates me, enlightens me, he brings light into my life. He brings light from my soul into my thinking. Now you'll need to listen Sunday morning as I preach more on that. So I won't go there right now. Now right here you're going to say to yourself, see, there." we all have this Holy Spirit operating in us through the new birth. Not so fast, my friend. It's clear through the book of Acts that this is a subsequent work that happens beyond the work of salvation. How do we know this? Because the Spirit was breathed upon them in John 20, the only thing of which the disciples had not been exposed to was the new birth. So here in John 20... Jesus breathes on them this Spirit into them. Then in Acts chapter 1, there is a subsequent work. We cannot deny this. There are two distinct messages given by Jesus between John 20 and Acts chapter 2. Nor can we deny that the message of Jesus is concerning an indwelling of power of which he described between John 14 and John 17. So we must reconcile ourselves to the two operations of the Holy Spirit that are present and operating in Jesus' ministry. Now I'm not say much concerning the process of sanctification, but it is also in the growing season that a person undergoes as they learn of Christ and they separate themselves from the world. So when Paul speaks of the fact that it is given to every man, here's what he's saying. Every man has a capacity within him or her to operate in the manifestation of the Spirit. Every man has that capacity. Every man has the ability. Not every man yields and surrenders and sanctifies himself dies to himself to the extent that the Holy Spirit, the advantage, can be appropriated in their life. It's been proven by scientists that when one speaks in tongues, he does so from a part of the brain that is not the natural mechanism for speech. So every man has the capacity to be filled with and operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Most men don't, because they believe things that are not true. They would believe the Scripture in 1 Corinthians 13 concerning charity never fails. But where there is prophecy, it'll it'll fail. Where there is tongues, they'll pass away. Knowledge will pass away. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. If I believe that knowledge has passed away, then I must be somewhere out in left field. Because we know that knowledge has not passed away. We know that divine revelation has not passed away. And we also know that the love of God has never changed. God has loved mankind. He gave and sent the Holy Spirit into the earth for the benefit of mankind. What for, Pastor? So you'd have the advantage if knowledge has not passed away, prophecy nor tongues have passed away either. So we must reconcile ourselves to this fact. There is a mechanism that is in every man to have the capacity to be filled and operate in the gifts of the Spirit. But just like the gift of faith, every man does not choose to use that source for the purpose of which it was intended. As we spoke earlier, men choose to remain in their human side. They can choose to reject and rebel concerning the things of the Spirit and lose out on their advantage, lose out on their ability to be more than an overcomer. They can choose to attempt to battle the enemy with their own intellect, if that's how they desire. Man was never oriented to have to do that. Man was oriented from his creation to have the mind of us, Paul called it the mind of Christ. He said this mind of Christ would cause us to not be conformed or just changed by this world. This mind would allow us to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. My friend, this is not possible to do while living under the born-again condition. But it makes overcoming all of the trials and inroads into your mind very difficult. This is not impossible for you to do, just being born again. But it makes overcoming all the trials and inroads into your mind very difficult. This is why Paul was so forthcoming on how the devil attacks the believer in Ephesians 6, 11, and 12, when he said, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now my time limit is up for today and I'll pick this up next time. But we're concluding how the gifts of the Spirit produce an advantage, part two of that. Father, I pray that you'll minister, open the eyes of your people so that we can understand the advantages that we are just leaving lay. Just leaving them laid there. Not using because we just don't know. Open our eyes that we can see in the lovely name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Well, may God bless you is my prayer. Until we have the opportunity to speak again, remember Jesus is Lord. He'll be Lord over everything. If you'll bring Him to Him and bow yourself, all of the things that you're plundering out of this earth will bow before Him. But if you find Him as the man in the Godhead, from there He will become an advantage. He'll become an advantage that will bring you into knowledge and wisdom, discernment of spirits, faith, healing, miracles, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy that will be able to show you things you don't know and things that are to come. May God bless you until we speak again.